Welcome back to a brand new episode of Learning As I Go. And you are in for a treat today because I'm in a really good mood. And that means I'm going to get the juice. But before I do, I just want to say a massive thank you because so many of you have been tagging me on Instagram saying that you have taken on the British Triathlon race with me in Sunderland on the 29th of July. So this is going to be special. I'll talk about this later on in the podcast. But today I'm joined in the studio by Emily English. You might recognize her as Emily the Nutritionist on Instagram and she has blown up. Everybody's talking about her. Her foodie content is just on a whole new level and she just makes food look sexy. But there's so many layers to this girl and she really opens up on this podcast. So please get ready to learn another life lesson with Learning As I Go. got another big name in the building, Miss Emily English, who I cannot believe when you just walked through the door then, I was like, we haven't actually even met till today, which is weird, because obviously we spoke a lot on socials, mm. even did a live together, but we finally made it happen, we've got you in the studio, so thank you for being here. You're so welcome. I feel like I know you already though. Yeah, it is weird, it, it is weird, because we've been speaking for a long time, long time, back and forth, and obviously now you've blown up on socials, right? You're a registered nutritionist, you're a content creator, and I've seen your journey on socials over the last few years because I think when I first started following you, you had like 30,000 followers yeah, or something like that. And now you've jumped up to like, into like 260 nearly um, and you're growing really quickly and everybody's talking about you. Like in my office, the social PR girls, like, I love Emily, I love, her, I love her content, I love what she's doing, I love what she talks about. So how did it all start? How did you even get into nutrition? So I've had quite a funny journey with food. Like I come from a family who all are obsessed with food. Like every single Sunday, Sunday roast without fail, would all sit around the dinner table. And we had this like giant dinner table that sat all seven of us as well. So I'm one of five, a lot. Five, you've got five siblings. Five siblings. Wow. So big, big crew. And at the time, I remember as a kid, like I actually really didn't like food. I was really fussy. I didn't really care about it. Um, my mum always used to be into feeding us well and making sure we ate well. And I took a lot of the cooking responsibilities over from my mum because mm. my brothers and sisters were all under the age of three when I was eight years old. Wow. So then I had one older brother as well. Okay. So three under the age of three. My mum was pretty preoccupied with them. So I had to kind of... Step up. Step up, do the cooking. Then it wasn't until I got a job at ASOS. Mm-hmm. And I was walking around at a festival, V Festival, when I was, how old was I? I was probably like 16 years old. And a, a casting agent came up to me and was like, hey, we're, we're scouting for ASOS in-house. Would you come for a test shoot in London? I said, that's yeah. Pretty, that's pretty cool. It was really cool. I remember at the time, like it being like the most iconic thing ever. So I went, I did this test shoot. I'd just come back from holiday as well. So I was super tanned, like feeling myself. And it went really well. And they, they were like, yeah, we want to book you. And I had this relationship with ASOS that was amazing. They made me feel so safe, so at home. They were like my family. I had the best two years there. And it was an amazing opportunity financially. To get scouted like that at such a young age, 
That oh, must have been incredible. I was buzzed. Because I remember <laughs> just before then as well, like, so I worked at Hollister at the time as well. So I was ticking off all of like That's the like dream, dream job as well. Dream jobs. <laughs> um, but what, what ended up happening is like, I was suddenly, I was the girl who would sit in the sixth form common room with my McDonald's, sweet chili chicken wrap, my fries for lunch, because I could like literally afford to go mm. now. Then I was exposed to this whole host of kind of toxic diet culture and fad diets. And suddenly I became very self-aware of what I was eating and what I looked like. And I've always been really lucky. Like I've always been super petite, haven't really had to worry too much about strict dieting. Like my mum never dieted. So I wasn't around that in my family. And then ASOS turned around to me and were like, look, you're doing so well. I think we're going to put you forward to getting like a proper agency mm-hmm. because we can really see you having a career in this industry. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was like, oh yeah, like that sounds absolutely amazing. And I remember having the best summer of my life. I took my mum to Chicago. I went to Mykonos and wow. this is just all off my own back. And I was, I wasn't even 18 years old yet. And I was doing all of these things. And I came back and had had this chat with this agency and they kind of looked at me and they were just like, well, we can tell that you've had a lot of fun this summer. Wow. And they literally took the the pictures out and they're like, so what we need to do is like, if you see how your your thighs are photographing, like they're looking a little bit too big and I just don't think you're going to book the job. So we're going to recommend you to kind of do like an hour of running day and to try and slim down. And they were like, and then they gave me like a diet, diet advice. And it was the first piece of, restrictive diet advice that I'd ever been given. And they actually scrutinised you, like down to the fact of going through your pictures. It was like an assessment. Oh, wow. I was going to say, it reminded me then like they were talking about some kind of lab rat. Yeah, literally. Like I was, I was a product and they didn't take into account my feelings. And a lot of people would have just had that situation been like, oh, whatever, mm. like, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm doing good, I'm living my life. But I took it so to heart. And one of my biggest personality traits is that I'm a bit of a people pleaser and a bit of a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So they told me this and I was like, I'm going to do the best job at this. Mm. Okay, cool. Game on, game on. And Mm. I became obsessed with every single calorie, with every single gram, with every single weight, with every single step and mile. Mm. And my body literally became this maths equation. Every single day it was, it was maths. I remember walking home back from the agency, walking in my front door and my mum putting down a plate of food in front of me. And I think she'd made like a homemade chicken pie with peas and greens and it was gorgeous. And it was just, it was so good. And I shouted at her and I was like, why are you feeding me this? Like, I can't eat this. And I remember refusing to eat it and going to the kitchen and I I can't actually remember what I ate, but that was the kind of start of where it all fell apart really for me. So obviously you went for this this kind of period of life where you treat your body like a maths equation mm. and it sounds like you survived that period for a while, but when did it get to the point when you went, you know what, I can't actually live this kind of life. Was there a low point for you? So my weight dropped and dropped and dropped and it started to take away so much of my life and, and my joy because I actually really loved food at that time as well. Like I wanted to try all the new restaurants. I wanted to go to that cool coffee shop and try that pastry, but suddenly I couldn't anymore. And I remember this defining moment where it was like a hot summer's day and I was with my boyfriend at the time, my mom and my family, and she'd made us all um, cheese rolls, like a, like a brown cheese roll with fresh tomatoes, lettuce, and she put it down in front of me. 
And she, she looked at me in my eyes and she was like, Emily, please, can you just eat it? And that was literally like the, the breaking point. I remember like curling into a ball on my kitchen floor, like sobbing into my hands, being like, I don't know why, but I can't eat it. And I know that there's something wrong with this. Mm. And that was that defining moment. And I literally remember it, like it was crystal clear, literally like it happened yesterday. And I reached out to a therapist who specializes in, in CBT and eating disorders. And her name was Jane. And she was the most wonderful person that ever happened to me. And I left the modeling agency. I decided from that point that I just needed to take a break. And I stepped back and I worked on myself and I worked on my relationship with food. And at the time, I all my friends had gone to university probably two years prior. So I'd been been working. And then I was like, do you know what? It's time to go to university and do you know what I want to study I want to study nutrition no way. because I want to understand this whole culture around what we should and shouldn't be eating and understand why it's important for me to nourish and fuel my body because I loved science I was going to um, go to university to study human physiology mm. but it was that shift it was that defining moment in my life that actually has led me to where I belong because mm. I've never felt so much like I'm following my purpose more than I am now, mm. which is beautiful. Yeah, it sounds like the, the defining moment for you is that awareness piece mm. because it sounds like other people around you would have noticed your sort of self-sabotage behavior towards food. Yeah. But the moment when you actually stopped and realized, I think that's the biggest thing for anyone potentially listening to this, having that awareness. It's like same with me. It's like people used to say to me all the time, especially with alcohol and drinking, like, you're a bit of a dick, Scott. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, I kind of knew I was, but I didn't really want to take responsibility for it. And I think once you do have that awareness and then, you know, realize that only you can get yourself out of it. Yeah. That's when you start taking action towards sorting it out. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I knew it was up to me. And I knew that I held all of the cards in my hand mm. And I just needed to create that space and awareness of the situation. And I still use the tools now that Jane taught me when I get stressed or anxious or a little bit obsessive over things where I take like a bird's eye view on a situation where I'll almost imagine leaving my body, flying above everything and just like, I'm watching it as if I was watching a TV show or a movie. Wow. And it's really, really powerful because it's such an amazing tool of reflection. And I think what happened in that <laughs> that cheese roll moment mm. was I became really self-aware of what I was doing and I knew that I couldn't justify those behaviors anymore because I knew deep down it wasn't who I was and it and I didn't want that for myself mm. and it sounds like you basically channeled that kind of pain that you were going through and, and, and that struggle that you were going through you wanted to get the answers which you now in turn are using to help other people and is that why you call it your purpose yeah 100 percent but the size of the problem is huge, isn't it? Because you talk about you having an eating disorder mm. and I know there's different extremes to it. But do you feel like everybody has a little level of a disorder around food? Because like I said before, even before you came in, I went, the fact that I see you eating bread all the time just makes me so happy because I used to think that I couldn't eat bread. And even yeah. now I know that you can. And I, didn't, I wouldn't say I had an eating disorder. Yeah. There's so much misinformation around food the size of the problem is huge and it comes on different levels. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And so there are a large percentage of people who have an eating disorder and there are a larger number of people who have disordered eating. Oh. So there's two, I think they're two very different things. 
a lot of us can use food as a source of comfort, um, comfort in a way of control, so either restriction mm-hmm. or comfort in a way of binging and overeating. Mm-hmm. But I also think a lot of us have our own unique quirks and behaviors around food. And just because I do something and you don't do what I do doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm always really careful to do is, is if someone likes to macro count, calorie count, weigh their food and they don't find it a negative space i'm not going to tell that person that what they're doing is wrong Mm. because that's just how they like to manage their food manage their fitness and that makes them happy and we have to be more flexible when it comes to nutrition and our food because we all have our own identity in it Mm. we don't all eat the same we don't all dress the same we don't all feel the same we don't all move the same so our nutrition doesn't need to be the same as well. And Mm. I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to have, find the perfect diet, the perfect routine, the perfect structure, but really that is just what makes you feel good. Mm. And it's what's best for you and it's what's sustainable. Yeah, because if you're in a room with about 10 PTs, Mm -hmm. they all have different ways of working and different ideologies. Yeah, And it's stressful, but at the end of the day, they're all kind of getting the same result. That's That's what they want to achieve. But it's so frustrating sometimes when you sit in a room full of PTs because there isn't just one, size that fits all. There is literally so many different ways to achieve a goal. Mm. But what did you learn through the process of studying nutrition? How did your mindset around food begin to change? What would you say was the, the biggest learning? So the biggest thing that I realized that was missing from the nutrition industry was there is a detachment between what we know we need to eat for nutrition purposes. Mm-hmm. So vitamins, minerals, macros, versus food that's on our plate which gave rise to this whole chicken, broccoli and rice era, Mm -hmm. where if I said to someone, our meal plan, healthy meal plan, you think individual itemized bits on a plate that ticks a checklist for, okay, I know I need this. Mm. I loved food and I loved cooking and I loved sitting down to a plate of something that made me feel amazing, but also was giving me everything that I knew I needed. Mm So it's that kind of hybrid between the food that I want to eat because I know it's good for me, but then also the food that I want to eat because it's delicious. Mm. And that's where I started doing my my recipe creation because I thought, do you know what? I can hybrid everything that I know Mm -hmm. from a scientific point of view, from a nutritionist point of view with a chefy point of view. Yeah, make it tasty. Make it tasty. And I brought it together and I found this space with my social media, mm-hmm. which I think resonates with so many people because that's why my, my strap line is the food you want to eat designed by a nutritionist. Ooh, I like it. Because that is just everything that I encompass. Because, yeah, because when you think of a nutritionist, typically you think, like you said, brown rice, yeah. broccoli and chicken. And it puts a barrier up. You don't really want to approach a nutritionist for that reason. Whatever you, you make it sexy. Yeah. If that's the right word. <laughs> no, uh, it is. I do sexy yeah. food. I want food to be sexy. Like all my all my food shots are like pulling apart, yeah. creamy, cheesy, like all just like the bits that look good. But it's like the way that I do it, it's like packed full of antioxidants and fiber and skin loving nutrition and it's feeding your gut and it's going to make you feel energized, but lighter and brighter without you even thinking Oh, I'm on a diet. Yeah, you use all these words, these emotive words, don't mm. you, to try and glamorize food because in this country especially, a lot of us demonize certain foods when in actual fact, we should love food. Food is the fuel for life uh, and it's the key for everything. Like, even like 
in this country, we know the well-known saying 80% diet, 20% exercise when you're trying yeah. to achieve a goal. But literally, again, in January, what's the first thing everybody does? Goes and signs up to a gym. And for me, the biggest priority, if you do want to achieve a goal, obviously exercise is really important, is get your food right first. Because once you're fueling yourself in the right way, you become more productive, you sleep better, you're, you're happier. 100%. And then everything else kind of flows from that. I feel like there's, there is this culture of just restriction around life and you can't go to this place you can't enjoy your life if you're on a diet you can't do this when in actual fact food should be enjoyed and loved and I think that's what you're a massive advocate of 100% like that's what I challenge and that's why people I probably get five lovely messages a day from people who are specifically saying I used to have really disordered eating I used to feel like I couldn't do this thank you so much for shedding such an amazing kind of insight and also permission to just have freedom in your food and I think so much of the kind of diet culture and, and nutritionists out there they make people feel guilty for having something as simple as a slice of white bread mm. and it's everything in context it's everything in moderation like nothing is black and white bad or good as long as you're having a balance of everything mm. then you can pretty much kind of navigate and adapt and mold that to suit you in, in whatever way that you want. Mm, yeah, because even when I see you with a nice glass of red wine sometimes, you might have thought that, I don't know, a registered nutritionist wouldn't touch alcohol or anything else. And I admire the fact that you do because it, like you said, it's all about balance and moderation. Mm. Obviously, I really struggled with moderating alcohol. I couldn't do it. Well, I could do it, but I got nothing out of it. Yeah. Like if I had two glasses of wine, I'd wake up the next day and go, why did I bother? I just wanted to get pissed. Mm. <laughs> Basically, that's my attitude towards alcohol. But balance, I think, is is the key to everything. Is there anything, is there any times when you don't have balance? Because I'm a perfectionist yeah. and I am very self-aware. I'm able to allow myself all the things I actually deep down like inside want to do, all the things I want to eat, all the, the restaurants that I want to go to. And it's like, oh, I can't can't wait to try that cocktail. And if I'll get home and sometimes they're like, oh, I've got, got a real appetite for a gin and tonic. And I'll, and I'll have one, but I'll be able to have one. Mm. And... I'm also good with balance. So this is what I always try and educate my audience with as well. It's not about, oh, I went out to that restaurant so I can't have breakfast and I need to starve myself. Mm. It's just thinking about how you're treating your your body. So if I wake up the next day and I feel a little bit sluggish because I had bottled wine, a gorgeous bowl of pasta, went to a great Italian restaurant, smashed tiramisu, loved it, stunning. Wake up the next day thinking, I'm so energized now that I'm gonna go for a nice, bright, early morning walk and I'm going to choose to nourish myself with a bit more kind of informed choices today. Mm. And immediately that mindset means that I don't feel like I'm punishing myself. I don't feel like I'm depriving myself. I'm just giving my body the self-love that it needs to feel its best. Mm. Because the night before, I was giving my mind what it needs to feel mm. its best. If I did that every single day, by the end of the week, I'm going to feel tired, sluggish, lethargic. But it, that's what I talk about, like the art of balance. It's not binge restrict it's freedom to enjoy but then also respect for yourself to give your body what it needs mm, i think that's really interesting because i've done that before when i've gone out the night before i went to peach street kitchen not long ago and i overindulged i say overindulged but i ate a lot of good food mm -hmm. and the next day i think it's, i took it from the live that we did i just treated it as fuel yeah. from a gym session and actually sometimes lift um, heavier weights and I have more of a productive gym session because I've got that, that fuel within me. It, you feel it, don't you? Like yeah. if you have a big, big meal and you fuel up and you'll go into that gym session and you'll do that run, you're like, I'm on top of the world. Yeah, you have a better session and sometimes you yeah. even look better because you're more like filled out. You're and pumped, else. Yeah. yeah. You're pumped up. 
But and I think there's also this thing in this country as well where we're kind of conditioned and programmed to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, regardless if we're even hungry. Mm-hmm. So if I actually took a step back and go, do you know what? After that big food, after that big meal last night, I'm actually hungry today uh, in the morning. Where sometimes you condition to go, oh, it's nine o'clock now, I should be eating some breakfast. When actual fact, you just listen to your body and you can kind of regulate yourself in a healthy way rather than literally just being programmed conditioned to eat yeah. at certain times. So like you said before, it's about what works for you. I, I've got some friends who don't eat till lunchtime and, and that works for them. So would you say that it's about being more in tune to your body? A hundred percent. And I think there's there's a difficulty with intuitive eating when people feel so lost in the world mm. of what to eat and nutrition. So I have a lot of people who will message me saying, oh, do you know, I'm actually really struggling with this whole intuitive eating thing. So I say, okay, start back and do the basics again. Mm. Maybe try to have three meals a day if you're someone who's suffering from disordered eating and you don't really understand your hunger signals properly. But if you are someone who is asking yourself, should I eat breakfast because I'm not hungry? Listen to your body Mm. in that sense. So you don't have to have exactly the same pattern of eating as your best friend or, or your mate. It's not something that has to be exactly the same between every single person. Like you can just feel free to explore what works mm. for you. And I bet you kind of um, learned a lot about that, being one of five siblings. Talk to me about being one of five siblings. What was that like growing up? You were the second oldest. I was the second oldest, yeah. And I mean, so I started therapy again recently and it's been something that I've explored a little bit about my relationship with my family and how I grew up. And I was always the child who was good, but never quite good enough. Mm. I wasn't the first. My older brother was the first to get into the good school, the first to start competing in cross country and winning championships, the the first to get all of his A stars and all of his exams. And I was that one year behind where it's like, okay, it's already been done. Good job, Emily. Not quite as not quite as good as your brother. And then my younger siblings took all of the time and attention. So when it actually came to physical and emotional time that I spent with my mum and dad when I was younger, I didn't get that. And I think one of the reasons why I so often need and search for other people's approval is because I never quite felt like I was good enough and I always had something to prove. Mm. I've become really aware of how that's impacting my relationship with my work and myself. And it's something that I'm really enjoying working on these last few months Mm. because I think having that level of awareness of who you are and why why you are the way you are really helps you with just emotional growth because Mm. we're not all the same person throughout our life. We grow, we adapt, we evolve and we change. But three months ago, when I first sat down with my therapist, she said, well, who do you feel like you are? And I couldn't answer her. I didn't know who I was. I felt so lost in Mm. all of the growth, all of the success, the constant pressure of wanting to maintain my performance, maintain that growth, make sure that I'm giving everyone content that's valuable Mm. And I ended up putting myself in such a such a mental hole. And I think it's so important that we have to have to sometimes just be brave enough to look inside us, really understand who we are in order to become the person that we want to be. Mm. That's just got me a little bit emotional, you know why? Because I've been going through the same conversation 
uh, with my therapist in terms of, he's always asking me to spend time thinking about who is Scott outside of social media. Because obviously mm. Scott on social media, um, Scott who hosts a podcast, Scott the businessman. But I really struggle to separate who I am yeah. from the personal brand of Scott sometimes. It's difficult not to get wrapped up in that. And even like today, like my mood is so much better because I put a podcast trailer out for today's podcast and mm. it's gone really well. It's blown up and it affects my mood and I'm so much happier. Whereas sometimes I'll put a piece of content out and it won't do as well. And that will actually impact my mood. Yeah. And I'm like, Scott, have some awareness. This is not, this is not define your value as a person. So just chill out and have some awareness. But it's so difficult not to get wrapped up in that. And I think obviously for people like ourselves who who are content creators, who are influencers in our own right, and it's a career that we're really passionate about, it's hard to separate those things. Would you say that yourself, like, sometimes? You literally spoke my mind. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how I feel with mm. all of this. And it's hard because I'm doing something that feels so innate and something that I love to do so much. Mm. But I can't let my value on my social media determine how I value myself. Mm. And I think it's a really tricky situation that any content creator mm. will go through exactly the same emotions as we do. Mm. And it's hard because so much of who we are is ingrained in what we put out there anyway. Like, mm. I don't feel like, I think we're both authentic, mm. like channels who I, I make food that I eat and I, I'm constantly thinking about, but if something flops, I need to not take it as a personal failure. Mm. I'm the same because I've worked in PR and to work in PR, everyone has to love you. Mm. Because if you don't want to work, if you don't love you, they don't want to work with you. And say when I used to host nightclub events, I literally needed every single person in Manchester to love me so they would come to my night. And even if I didn't like them, they didn't like me, I'd still pretend that I liked them so they would come to the night because I'd much rather take their money to come into the club. Then, do you know what I mean? It's all about people pleasing all the time. And sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah. And even like, there's days when I feel flat and don't get me wrong, I love what I do. I do love what I do. But I put so much pressure on it. But there's some days when I feel flat and I feel like I've got to be Scottish special, high energy all the time. And I reckon um, with you, <laughs> there must be an expectation everywhere you go to talk about food. Sometimes I think <laughs> like I'll meet someone for the first time or I'll be at like an event and I feel like I'm on autopilot <laughs> at the moment. I literally feel like I say the same five minute speech about who I am, what I do. Like, I was thinking it just then when we did the podcast, I thought, do you know what? We need to talk about this to put it in context. Yeah. But I felt like, I felt your pain in terms of, it's the narrative that it's true and, yeah. it, and it's real, but it doesn't, it's not just you, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think when we think about our own identity and we think about our personal identity, so much of my identity actually is my job and my career and my business. It's always that, and I don't mind that, but I think what I'm becoming a little bit more aware of is its impact in the relationships with the people closest to me. My love, and one of my biggest loves in my life is my job. And I find it really hard actually to separate that love and identity and that priority when I have downtime. So I think what's happening now and what I'm finding now is people are, saying hello Emily like where have you gone we need you like I need you and I've actually I don't have a lot of that M to give oh my god I'm literally going through the same thing where 
I give so much to my followers. Mm. I reply to DMs like all day long to random strangers. But if I'm in a room sometimes with my brothers or my family, they say I'm just not there. Yeah. Listen, I do love my job. Oh, do I love my job? I love success. Mm. I want to be successful. I want to do everything I do from a place of passion. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing what you do from a place of passion. Sometimes I do what I do from a place of a need to prove myself. Yeah. I resonate with that though. Does well. that make sense? It's like yeah. I'm trying to, who am I proving, like, who am I proving myself to? Do you know what I mean? I think over the years, because I was a party boy and then I was a reality star, to then be positioning myself as a businessman, which I think I've finally managed to do. Mm. And even sometimes when I speak to brands, I go, I didn't even know you did Love Island. Like, that's a big thing for me yeah. to get away from that. But there has been an element of always trying to prove myself. Who, who do you feel like you're proving yourself to your family? Yeah. yeah. So it would be because I never felt like I was good enough. Mm. I had this drive that was like, no, like I'm, I will, I will get well done and you've done a great job. And like, I, I, my family are amazing. Like, mm. and they love me unconditionally. They really do not care what mm. I'm doing. It's my own personal voice and personal narrative that makes me so competitive against myself. I'm not a jealous person. I don't really look outwards and compare to myself to other people, but the one, the, person that I'm in a race with is me. Mm. I have this constant battle with myself to, and it's one thing that I'm really trying to work on. It's, I think we all have that inner bully. So we all have that voice inside us that is mm. our own, that sometimes when we look in the mirror or we submit something or we do something will fill us with doubt and vulnerability and insecurity. And what I'm really trying to do at the moment is identify that voice and understand that it's not my own. And that natural level of competitiveness and wanting to be better, sometimes I miss out on enjoying the moment because mm. I can't, I'm doing all of these amazing things. I'm literally living my dream right now mm. and I'm missing out on every single mini win and mini celebration and all those small joys that I should fill my day with, with, okay, how can you be more efficient at this? What's next? What brand deal sure. can you can you do here? And it's this constant chasing, which leaves life behind. And that's mm. something I'm petrified of now. Like I don't want to get to forty years old and look back and be like, so like, what did I actually do to enjoy all mm. of that? Because this isn't. I'm not doing this to like as a means to an end. I'm actually doing something that fills my heart and my soul. Like I love what I do. I love my audience. I love the community that I have. Like it gives me so much purpose. And the biggest thing that I've started to say recently and is making a really big difference is that I can actually turn around to myself and say, I'm really proud of myself. Mm. I'm really proud of myself. Mm. Not from, well, okay, you can, you need to do better. You're not good enough. I can now actually look at something and be like, oh, that recipe. Absolutely banging, so proud of that. I just want to say a massive thank you to British Triathlon for sponsoring this podcast. And I also want to say a massive thank you to you, every single one of you who have signed up to take on the Sprint Triathlon with me in Sunderland in July. This is going to be a serious challenge, but it's going to be a good one. I've not swam in years. I've never been on a road bike. And I do a little bit of running, but trust me, I'm coming well out of my comfort zone. So if you are feeling a little bit nervous, it's completely normal. And I haven't even fully started training yet because I've had a little injury. So it's not too late to sign up. We've got plenty of time. 
So please don't miss out on this opportunity. Bring yourself out of your comfort zone and make the most of my discount code, Learning25, to get yourself signed up to the race. And the link is in the episode notes. But if you're watching this and you're listening, this is your sign. Try something new, come out of your comfort zone, and let's smash this race together. Listen, I know you've worked really hard to take your following, for example, from where it was to where it is now, but you're on a bit of a, I've seen it over the last few weeks, like you're kind of snowballing now, like everything's gathering momentum for you. And it's because you're just in flow of what you're doing. But talk to me about your job now. Like what is your day-to-day look like in terms of creating content and your food and everything else? So I wake up at, I mean, I normally wake up at six, but at 6.30 since daylight savings, because it's absolutely kidding me. Um, I wake up at six, I'll always get out immediately. So um, get out for a nice walk, probably walk for an hour. Um, Sainsbury's, I live like a really, uh, near a really big Sainsbury's, so that opens at seven and I go and get all my fruit shop. So, so wait a second, when you go for what? You just, you're not got a dog or anything? No dog. You just go for a walk me, on, on your own? On my own. And I write the recipes that I'm going to get the groceries from, from Sainsbury's. Okay, and do you listen to a podcast or anything? You actually just like I like silence. Oh, yeah. silence! <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's mad. But it's only because I think I constantly have like people noise. talking to me and noise all mm. the time. That when I wake up in that morning, I try and keep I try and keep my cortisol as low as possible. And sometimes I find when I listen to these self help podcasts, they don't make me feel better. Always, I've actually stepped away from the self-help books and podcasts and things. Cause I find that I can get again, like overwhelmed with the amount of information that I find. <laughs> if I read a self-help book before bed, I get anxiety. Wired, yes. So yeah. I, I only read it in the morning. Yeah. I can't read it. I'm like, I go to bed going, oh my God. If I watch a documentary, it's, it's inspired me. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, I feel like shit. Yeah. And I've got anxiety. So I feel you on that. Sorry. A hundred percent. That's yeah. like, keep it calm. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm try, try, just trying to swim and survive at the moment. But like I will, so I'll walk along and say, for example, I did this like hot halloumi avocado toast the other day. And I was walking along and I was thinking, I want to do something with halloumi. And I was thinking, okay, okay, I like halloumi. What does halloumi go really well with? Brunchy. Brunch? Cool. Why don't I do my special avocado toast mix with like tomatoes, fresh herbs, whack on a bit of sourdough. Yeah, nice, sexy. How am I going to make this different? Oh, what did I used to, because um, I used to have a delivery kitchen and I used to do halloumi with honey. So I thought, oh, I'll do the honey halloumi. And I was thinking, oh no, what can I do differently? Oh, hot honey I've seen on pizza recently. Let's put that on the halloumi and then stick it with an egg. So I will write this recipe in my head. I'll tap it out of my notes. And then I'll go to Sainsbury's, pick up the ingredients, go home. I don't have a marble worktop. I have a fake marble uh, mat that I roll out. Why is that? Just for aesthetics? Yeah, for aesthetics. Oh and it, it, it lists out the this food. This is an exclusive, guys. She does not have a marble it's, it's surface. <laughs> um, and then I'll, I'll film it. And then I'll edit it. And I'll probably film two to three recipes a day. All that I've just written out of my mind that morning. And they'll go live over the next three days. Wow. So you started doing that, obviously, for any content creators out there. You just started out pumping out content and everything else. Chun. How? When did you start to see it gathering mental? What kind of milestone in followers or anything else? Where did you start to see a bit of traction? As soon as I hit 10K, mm-hmm. it always started to creep up then. Okay. Yeah, I saw like a consistent evolution of engagement. But one thing that I always worked on was my content. So every single content I would watch back and I would look and say, that needs work, that needs tweaking, I need to adjust the lighting there. That's why I got the marble mat because mm. I had a, I have a grey work kitchen worktop that mm. sucks too much light in, so I don't get enough reflection. reflection. Oh. So I'm a little bit of a perfectionist in that. And then it's better lighting setup, um, better camera angles. And I just taught myself and I just kept on doing it. And 
the evolution of my content from this time last year to now is hilarious. If if you go back and you scroll through, the difference between what I was doing to what I'm doing now, but I always say like, if you're a content creator, grow, improve as you go. So it doesn't have to be perfect for you to start. I would be mortified if I put something out like I did a year ago, but I wouldn't have got to where I am now if, just, if I didn't put it out there. I was just laughing because literally a year ago, no one ever lie, we were doing this podcast on Zooms. Yeah. Literally and putting the content out video content from Zooms, which is just frightening when you look back. Yeah, you have to be, you have to challenge yourself enough. Like it's, mm. don't get so comfortable to the point where you're unable to grow. Cause mm. I think sometimes there's, there's a balance between softness and self-acceptance and, and working on you from like a self-care point of view. But if you really want it, you've got to push yourself and you've got to challenge yourself in those situations. And you've got to be able to look at something and be like, okay, cool. How can I make this a little step up? How can I make this the next But how do you push yourself without avoiding burnout? That's the question. I make sure that I prioritize my self-care. Mm -hmm. So it will be little things like exercise, such a massive part of, of my life, my walking and, and getting out and mm -hmm. about. I, I'll film and then I'll go and walk the riverfront. I'm lucky I live, I live right in the Thames, so I have access to like a, a nice walk or I'll sit there and I'll have a nice cup of tea and I'll just decompress. So it's taking those micro breaks to a point that you know you're not drilling yourself down into a hole. And mm. if you feel really tired, take the time off. Mm. Like you know when your body's starting to be like... Yeah, it annoys me all this in this world that we live in, that hustle culture yeah. has become such a big thing. And I'm... I'm driven by that sometimes I go I've literally worked I've been up since five in the morning I've worked till seven at night and I've still not done everything I need to do mm. and there's a this voice in my head going if you want to be one percent of the world scar you've got to hustle I mean Beyonce didn't sleep 50 cent did, all these like do you know what I mean yeah. I'm hearing all this it probably like Eric Thomas who I do love and I listen to him at the right times but I've just gone I've just took a step back and gone it's bullshit yeah like because I will burn out so now it's about working smarter and taking that time don't be wrong I'm all about working hard I'm putting the hours in. Yeah. But if I feel like I'm at that kind of, that breaking point, I just have to take a step back yeah. and not feel guilty for it, which I'm learning to do. I think it's about recognizing your boundaries and a long work day for me will be very different to a long work day for you. And I, mm. that's an, another issue with looking at these self-help books and mm. these success books or someone who tells their story and how they pulled these all-nighters. You don't need to compare yourself as long as you're getting done what you need to and you feel like you're pushing and challenging yourself to to the way that, that, that you know you're going to evolve and grow it's about finding your limits with everything. Like mm. I don't, I'm not gonna run a 5K at the same pace as you. It doesn't mean that that 5K isn't beneficial to me. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not finishing the 5K, I'm still doing it, but I don't have to finish it at the same mm. time as you in order to just get it done. Yeah, because sometimes I take a step back from my day and go, have I been productive today? Mm. Have I been productive enough? And I can't kind of start listening, listing all the things. And sometimes it's because I'm not spent enough time in a certain area when in actual fact, some of those, moments that I did deliver on are of much more value than me being a busy idiot and being yeah. a busy fool. Just like sometimes I can be that. Just where I'm literally just looking busy for busy sake. Mm. So I think it's about working smart and not working too hard. A hundred percent. Like the last thing you want to do is burn yourself out. Cause, and it goes back to that whole point of if you're not enjoying it and you're not enjoying the journey, then what are you doing? What's the point? That's the point where I'm at because there has been a lot of times where I've gone, why am I not? enjoying everything I'm doing because actually 
if I took a step back, like you said before, when you look at yourself, what do you say? Like a bird's eye view. Bird's eye view, yeah. I go, and if I told myself, sometimes I drive past my old school mm. and I go, if Scott, little Scott could see big Scott now driving past, what would he think? Would he be happy? And if he said, right, he's got the social PR, he's got a wellness brand food thoughts, he's presenting, he's podcasting and everything else. He'd be buzzing. Mm. So it's about getting yourself to a place where you can enjoy it. Yeah. And it's not from a place of stress, which is difficult, but we're learning, right? Always learning. Learning, Always as, learning. as we go. Mm. So what's next for you then? I have a couple of amazing business partners and I'm going to be launching a product in the gut health space. Ooh. So um, watch, watch this area, it's coming soon. Hopefully we'll be ready Ooh. by summer, um, which is very, very exciting super passionate about gut health it's something that affects so much of our health and well-being like the gut is linked to our brain our immune system our mood a lot of people don't un uh, don't understand that our gut is directly linked to how we feel our anxiety depression things like that so working on your gut is incredibly important and i'm going to test myself here yeah i did listen to someone's podcast on this is gut health something to do with like little microorganisms or something yeah in, in your in your gut that I kind of need to be there at a certain level. Yeah. But if they go, I don't know, tell me please. So- <laughs> I just tried to test myself. Your gut is basically like its own little world that exists That's within it. you. And we have a whole host of bacteria which live inside our gut. We call this the microbiome. And what we eat is what they eat. And when they eat what we eat, they convert it to health promoting compounds. So something called short chain fatty acids, which are incredibly anti-inflammatory. They help support the gut lining and the gut cells to keep your gut nice and strong and balanced. Um, and it also helps kind of digest and absorb extra nutrients from our food. Wow. But we just know that so much of our gut health is really at the root cause of a lot of our health issues. Mm. And we're just starting to connect so much back to the gut. And it doesn't mean that the gut is the, the magic bullet and it's going to cure everything. But looking after our gut health is such an integral part of looking over our, our overall health, mm. um, which is why I'm just really excited to be developing like a couple of incredible products for supporting gut health, feeding our, our good microbiome and keeping everything tip top. Um, Amazing. Which is, which is the kind of main thing. And then um, I'm working on my cookery book. Oh. Which is incredibly exciting. So got to- uh, Sign me up. Yeah, sign me up. I'll, I'll send you a signed copy. Amazing. You'll get you know gloss, what? I get so gassed when you comment on, if I do a little recipe sometimes and you comment on it, like you give me approval. It's like, and the nutritionist I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm like, gas. You just like, literally, <laughs> we did something with Hector Food recently. Um, I saw the spaghetti. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yes, we smashed it. Well, um, it was a big moment for me anyway, put it that way. You must now be getting a lot of attention and stops in, in the street and stuff like that because you built this profile. Everyone's talking about you everywhere I go. So what's it like now dealing with that? It's, I mean, I probably get like 200 DMs a day. What? Yeah, it's madness to the point where I have to, I can't reply to them all now. And when I'm out and about, I will always meet someone now yeah. who knows me. So I'll always either have someone who will message me afterwards being like, oh, I just saw you here. And I have the best audience ever. Like they love you. I, I adore them. Like I love, I love all of their feedback and those those gorgeous little messages. I love it when mums send me pictures of like their kids of like my super greens pesto sauce all around their mouth being like, he loved it. And I was like, this is so good because food is so universal and 
it's one of those things that can have such an amazingly positive impact on people's lives. And as a nutritionist, I say, oh, I'm a nutritionist. People automatically think, oh, deprivation. What don't you eat? Rather than look at all of this amazing, delicious food that's going to make you feel amazing, that you're going to love to eat with your friends, your family, your partner. And it's that whole ethos around my social media page and the content that I put out it just it brings me so much joy it yeah. just brings me so much happiness because the problem is huge and listen I can identify that with obviously I stumbled into a business food for thoughts off the back of my mate teaching me dead simply mm. he saw me posting brown rice broccoli and chicken and he said what are you eating that for classic and I've been training in the gym all my life and the fact that he said he came around to me went you can have chips if you want you can have bread you can have mm. chocolate so have the right calories for you, right, right portions for you. Um, and it set me free yeah. to the point now where, because it, it, obviously I started off on a meal plan with a coach at Food Thoughts, but it's become like second nature to me now where I'm managing to pretty much eat what I want and I feel free because of it. And I want everybody to feel that way. And that's exactly what you're talking about as well. It's almost like you know the size of the problem mm. and everybody deserves to feel free, right? Because once they do feel free, like you said, you want to go to those beautiful restaurants. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, as soon as people realize that they can have it all just with careful balance and moderation, just don't get wrapped up in the toxic nutrition and diet industry. Half the things out there are there to make you feel worried, confused and insecure so they can sell you this next weight loss pill and this next weight loss gummy. The reality is, is it sustainable? Can you see yourself doing it for the next five, 10 years of your life? And the, if the answer is no, then it's not the right thing for you and you're just wasting your time and your money. Mm, no, I fully agree. So make sure you follow Emily, the nutritionist, Emily English on Instagram for inspiration and to change your relationship to food as well. So um, a massive thank you, um, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just trying to take it in because I didn't expect to see that side of Emily. She really did open up today. And from social media, it looks like she lives this perfect life. And there are elements to her that are literally really aspirational, but the fact that she opened up and said that she goes through her own struggles with anxiety and always chasing one goal, then on to the next, I could fully relate to that and I think a lot of you will too. And it really puts things in perspective that just believe that pressure on yourself and try and focus on who you are as a person and don't try and live your life by everybody else's terms. So I hope you got a lot out of it. I can't thank every one of you enough for always supporting the podcast. Literally, the messages I get every single day, it makes me feel so happy because I love doing this. So I want to say thank you. Please keep following and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure you check out YouTube as well. And please subscribe to that because it makes all the difference. I will be back next week with another phenomenal guest and we will learn some more life lessons with learning as I go. This podcast was produced by Purposeful Podcasts.